Good job. Hey, give it up for the worship team. They worked really hard this past week. They did a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, then two hours on Friday at the, the, the tent meeting. It was just amazing time. Good time to worship. Thanks for coming out for the conference. Matt Fry, thanks for coming out to the, the tent meeting. Thanks for all that you, thanks for the appreciation. We appreciate you and I appreciate it. We, we counted a joy to, uh, to pastor this church and help lead this church. And we're all in ministry together. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And we're going to do a, a really cool thing this morning. We're going to dedicate our youngest uh, grandson, Judah Mark Dolphins. We're going to ask Marcus and Charity and the kids and Ken and Kathy to come on up, uh, Charity's parents to come on up on the platform. Janie's going to join me and, and uh, little baby Selah's going to come too. She thinks she owns the place. And she probably does to some extent. Hey, baby girl. She won't let me hold her unless, unless she can use me to get to Janie. So that, <laughs> there's a spiritual lesson there. Like, you know, don't use Jesus, but you can go to God through Jesus. Amen? You want me, you want me to hold you? You want me to hold you? No. She said no. <laughs> she's so... <laughs> she's <laughs> but at Target... When Janie takes her to Target, Poppy buy me whatever I want. <laughs> he said so. Okay, so we're going to, we believe in baby dedication, so you all know, but we believe that baptism is at a time of, uh, so that when a person comes to their own accountability, that then they get baptized at the recognition of their salvation in Christ Jesus. But we can dedicate a baby back to the Lord. And so we remove the baby from the home. This is Judah. Everybody say, hi, Judah. <laughs> and Judah is, uh, is growing by leaps and bounds and growing out of all his clothes. And so this is so cool because he's, he's just the, one of the most mild, meekest babies you've ever seen that we've ever, whenever we're around him, he's so mild and meek. He's very chill. And so we're going to dedicate him back to the Lord. We have a charge for the parents. You promised to raise Judah in the house of the fear of the Lord. Obviously, we know that, but we have to ask it. And so we, as a sign, we remove him from the home because now he's God's. And so every time Judah needs prayer, Marcus and Charity can go to the Lord and say, he's yours. Every time he's having a bad day, they can say, he's yours, God. And every time he gets uh, Marcus in spiritual trouble, Marcus can say, he's yours, God, because he's got a daddy that is a soul winner. And that daddy used to get us in trouble all the time. And so uh, I'm praying he grows up just like Marcus. Amen? <laughs> this one has Marcus's personality. We're hoping this one has Marcus's spirituality, although she does too. So you know what I'm saying. So. Oh, man, it's a joy as a, as a grandparent, it's a joy as a pastor. And so we're going to pray for Judah, then we'll place him back in the home, then pray over the home. Would you mind just raising your hand this way? We'll kind of go old school and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, can, can come over here. We pray for Judah right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray, God, a hedge of protection and a shield of favor. We pray, Lord, healing and health and victory and joy. We pray, Lord, that you bless him all the days of his life, Lord, with finances, Lord, with increase. We pray, Lord, that you'd order his steps and you'd be his rear guard. We pray, Father, Lord, that you'd sink in him right now a spirit of Judah, a spirit of praise, a spirit, Lord, of uh, a blessing, a spirit of victory, oh God. We thank you, God, Lord, for this little man. We pray, Lord, that you'd watch over him and guide him. We thank you for him in Jesus. 
Jesus' name we pray. Now let's place them back in the home and bless, uh, bless their home today. Thank you, Father. <laughs> He's a, <laughs> oh, she took it off. You want to pray? You want to bless the home, honey? Okay, Father, we pray right now for Marcus and Charity, for baby Selah, Lord, and little Judah. God, we pray you bless their home. Lord, let it let it increase, oh God. Lord, as they've sowed seed into the kingdom, I pray you bring it back a hundredfold, Father, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would super abound in blessing, Lord, spiritually, physically, financially, mentally, emotionally, relationally. Lord, I pray, Father, Lord, the, for, for the children in the home. I pray, Father, Lord, for their home in the neighborhood. I pray, Father, Lord, for, uh, Lord, the way you've ordered their steps already and the way you continue to order their steps. I pray right now, God, Lord, for wisdom in this home, Lord, and how to raise their children, God, for blessing, for unity, oh God, for strong prayer life, for strong witness, oh God. I thank you, Father, in advance for testimonies that are sure to come for the kingdom of God, Lord, for how you have blessed their home, blessed this family, Lord. Now use them, keep them, lead them, and guide them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement said amen. Come on, give a, give a round of a, applause for these guys. We thank them. <laughs> uh, oh, wait. Here we got some stuff. We got a Bible, and we have a baby dedication, and we got another Bible, and we got a prayer book, and we got all kind of good stuff. So, praise God. And those of you that don't know, Marcus is our son. Charity's our daughter-in-law. Selah's some of my best sermon illustrations. And she's, she's a little bit ornery in a really good way. If you can be ornery in a good way, she's ornery in a good way. And, uh, and uh, she, she's able to spend Tuesdays with Grammy, and uh, they go to Starbucks. Or they go to Target and go to Starbucks, and they take a selfie at Starbucks. And uh, Jenny was telling me we were in Target yesterday, and she said, well, we go here, and automatically Sailor will go left because that's where Starbucks is. And once we get our Starbucks, she says, okay, Grammy, we got to take a picture. They take a selfie, and she showed me where they take a selfie every week. And then they go to the, the baby uh, department, and Janie buys her something. And then one time, Sayla's, uh outfit was a little too small. So I said, honey, just go to Target and buy her whatever she wanted. And don't ever say that to someone who likes to shop. Dear Jesus. It was like Christmas, and I, I didn't really, I didn't mean that, but I said it. And so Janie said to Sayla, you can have whatever you want, whatever I want, she said. And so she did. She got everything. I mean, she got Michael Kors shoes, and she got all kind of stuff, Tom's shoes, and she got outfits. And Janie took a snapshot of her uh, in the living room, and all her stuff filled up the living room. I thought, Dear Lord, what did that cost me? And she went to two different stores. She went to Belk, and then she went to Target. And uh, so then the next time, uh, Janie always buys her something. And so they went to Target, and, and she was throwing stuff in the cart. And Janie said, no, just one thing. Uh-uh. Poppy said, I can have whatever I want. <laughs> And she said, Poppy only meant that one time. No, he did not. Poppy would, Poppy would want me to have everything I want. <laughs> so, so she got a few things. Don't you know God wants you to have everything you want? Don't you know he's a loving father who cares about you right where you're at? He knows you. He knows who you are. And we're going to finish up our destiny series today. And just by talking uh, 
through a few things and give me a couple ideas and a couple thoughts about our identity. I know Matt Fry talked about it a little bit on Monday night, but our identity and our destiny can go hand in hand. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And I want you to know that because we are or we should be a picture of our father. We should be Selah in that grocery cart at Target saying, Father God would want me to have everything I want with this exception, according to his will. Amen? And we have to know that according to his will. Lord, I want to I be everything you want me to be. I want to go wherever you want me to go. I want to do whatever you want me to do. And little Selah, I don't know if you saw her, but she's a worshiper. She comes in and those hands go up and she'll make sure. And if she's standing next to Janie, one, one day they were worshiping and Janie had to play. And so Selah knew that Janie's supposed to stand over here. And she gets up here and she just kind of goes back and forth. And she throws her hands up. And I believe that that touches the heartbeat of the Father. I believe Father God wants us to have childlike faith. And he wants us to be childlike worshipers. And our destiny isn't found in, in who we are in this life, on this earth, it's who we are supposed to be and the destiny that we're supposed to walk in in kingdom standards. Amen? So we stand around here for the reading of the word. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're just going to read three verses out of Psalms, the 76th chapter. And it's really cool because uh, because it is Marcus and Charity's children and Judah's there. I, I, I picked out a scripture that kind of coincides, so it's pretty cool. In Judah, everybody say Judah. In Judah, God is known. We're going to stop there for a second. I might just analyze a few things. That word Judah means praise. Can we give the Lord 10 seconds of praise for just a second? Because that, yes, Lord. Come on, Jesus. Amen. With everything you got, one more time, just a couple seconds. Come on, church. Amen. See, in Judah, the word Judah there isn't Judah in the word praise. So it means in your praise, God is known. When you praise God, you make him known. In Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel. His abode has been established in Salem, his dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the flashing arrows, the shield, the sword, and the weapons of war, Selah. So I got a, picked out a text of scripture where it starts with Judah and ends with Selah. That's their two children. Judah and Selah. Selah means to stop, pause, think about it. What she does every time I want to pick her up, she stops, she pauses, and she thinks about it. And she thinks, is he going to get me to Grammy or do I have to endure those whiskers on his face? And if she doesn't see Grammy, I'll say, do you want to see Grammy? And she throws her arms up. I think it's the cutest thing in the world. But in Scripture, sometimes we have to stop. What's this saying? What's the psalmist telling us for a second. Well, we're going to talk about it th that today. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. You're such an awesome God. Thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for life. We thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. We thank you for a family. Lord, we thank you for uh, the families of this church. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the people of this church. We thank you, Lord, for the, Lord, the welfare of this church. We thank you, Lord, for the uh, evangelists in this church, the apostles, the teachers. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, and just appreciate all of our people. We just pray, Lord, right now that you'd open our hearts. That we can hear and that, Lord, that you would reveal things to us right here and right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement said, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God. I have a couple things I want to pull out. And, and, uh, and I want you just to make, even if you don't take notes, make a mental note for a second. Because I think it's important, especially in, in this service, sometimes 
someone was asking, I said, well, one, of our, one service is, is kind of emotional. They, sometimes they amen a lot. The other service, they, they seem like they take it all in and they don't express a lot. And I, I was telling uh, Andrew, our son, and Jessica, our daughter, I, man, I, I thought, man, like, man, that was, that was worthy of a couple claps. And that was our, our first service people. And like, I don't preach so I get claps, but it's kind of nice sometimes. So if you... <laughs> It's, it's got to be clap worthy, though. I mean, it's, I just, it's got to be, I actually have to say something to clap about. So, and the first service was like, maybe they were locked in. Maybe, maybe they were locked in. Maybe they like, so, but I thought, a couple things I thought, or maybe they were just ready for lunch. They might have been like, maybe, yeah, maybe it's not, well, anyways. So I got a couple things. It may apply to you. It may not. All right. I think it will. And the first thing is you are uniquely you, all right? So we see that, we see that word, Judah, one of the 12 tribes of, of Israel. It's the tribe that the Lord is going to come out of. And, and we like that name, Judah, and it does mean praise. And so when uh, in, in today's millennial generation, a lot of the millennials are having babies, and they do the gender reveal. So you go to the house, and you know they cut the cake, and the cake's either blue or pink, or they let balloons out, and they're blue or, or pink. And then they'll, they'll, uh, they'll let you know, you know that lets, that's the gender. But a lot of times they'll hang on to the name. They won't, they won't give you the name just yet, okay? And so we were... You know, Marcus is, is uh, I'm Mark Sr., he's Mark Jr., and, you know, there was a part of us that thought, well, maybe, so we know it's a boy, maybe there's going to be a Mark III, we're not sure, we don't care, no pressure, d d did not matter, but Janie would say, what's your baby's name going to be, and, uh, and, and Sayla would, would say, Marcus. But she was talking about her own little baby. She has little babies at the house. What's your baby's name, Marcus? And I'm assuming that she's not supposed to call her dad Marcus, but she names her babies Marcus. Like, that's the little bit of a defiance that she is in, in a cool way from a grandparent. It's like, yeah, she gets it. She's going to be really cool when she grows up. She's just a little bit of a rebel, you know. And so, and so, it, it, so she's got babies, you know, at the house, at our house, and, uh, and that one's name is Marcus, and that one's name is Marcus, and that one's name is Marcus, and they're all named Marcus, and they're all the same name, and, 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 I, and so we, when, the, when baby was born, Judah marked off, it's a cool name, Judah praise, and I know Marcus is a worshiper, and Cherry's a worshiper, and this is so cool, they, they named their son Judah, but this isn't about Judah or the dedication, this is about you for a moment, you are you, only you are uniquely you. Like you, only you have your DNA. Like only you are the person that God's called to be you. Only you can be the things that God raised you to be. And so Judah, Mark Dolphins, my grandson, is the only person, I can tell you this unequivocally, he's the only person in the world with that name. In fact, only, the only people in the world that spell their name D-O-L-P-H-E-N-S are people that are directly related to me, and there's nobody directly related to me other than Judah Mark Dolphins that has that name, Judah Mark Dolphins. And the Bible says that when you get to the other side of Revelation, the second chapter and the 70 verse, that you're going to be given a new name, and it's written down in glory. It's going to be on a white stone, and only you are going to be the person that has that name. That's an amazing thing. If you think, I am so special... 
8 billion people in the world today. Over 14 billion people have walked on this earth. And only one person, that little guy right there, has that name. But God thinks the same way. Your name could be John Smith or Jim Jones, one of the most common names in the U.S. But you are special in God's sight. You are unique in God's sight, as unique as his name is. Nobody else. In fact, if you run across anybody that spells that name in the U.S., they are directly related to me in some way, shape, or form. They're, my dad was an only son. His father was an only son. And his grandfather had one brother. And, and they, they split in Europe. Part of the family came over here to America, the other part. And so they've all died out except one cousin who had some family, and th that cousin has, has children named dolphins, and then my dad uh, and his family. And so there's this, this dolphins in the, in the world, and they're all directly related to me, but we're all directly related to each other in Christ. We're all joint heirs with Jesus. So hear me on that. As unique as his name is, 8 billion people in the world, and he has the only one with that name. You're the only one in the kingdom that has that, that, that your name, that stone that God has it written on. And so some, what we have to do is we have to live up to what God has called on our life, okay? And not in not a heavy pressure way, but in a good way, a way that says, okay, Lord, here I am. I want to I wanna be all that you want me to be. And, and, and the whole world is before our young people in life. The whole world is before them. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we know that who they can be in Christ. And we have to know that in our life, if no matter what our name is, it could be a common name, it could be a unique name, that we're called and chosen by the creator of the universe. In fact, Jeremiah as well be speaking to us today, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for evil, to give you a fortune and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. See, when we seek after God with everything in us, when we seek after God, when a baby cries when they need their bottle, when a young person says they're hungry, when an when adult needs to go uh, grab a bite to eat, when we get hungry, when we get hungry for God, we start to find out more of God in our life. When we're hungry for Jesus as a Christ follower, we start to find out who we are. But not all of us have fair representation. Not all of us have really totally found out who we are. And so... In 1987, uh, in the Los Angeles Coliseum, uh, the, the, the group U2, anybody know U2? You've heard the, the group U2? They're good, good singing. In uh, 87, they had their Joshua, the Joshua Tree album tour, and they, they were the headliner, of course, and they sold out the Coliseum in L.A. And the second group was the Pretenders, and you may or may not have heard of the Pretenders. They're, they were a group as well. And then the opening band was a group called the Dalton uh, Brothers, and they were, they were a cover band, which means they played other people's songs, and they played Hank Williams' songs that night, okay? The Dalton Brothers. Anybody ever hear of the Dalton Brothers? Okay, so the Dalton Brothers came on band, 1987, and they're like, they're, 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 they're playing, and, and uh, it's a country western cover group, and U2's not you know, really 
country western, and so they're playing, and the and the and the audience starts to boo them, and they're, they're booing them practically off the stage. It's like boo, boo, boo. You're no good. We want you too. And nobody knew it at the time, but the Dalton brothers were actually the group U2, dressed up in country western gear, singing somebody else's songs as the opener for their own group. And people didn't recognize them. People didn't honor them. People didn't appreciate them because they weren't who they were supposed to be. And this is true in the kingdom of God. We keep trying to be somebody else, do something else. And God's saying, just be who you are and I'll bless you and I'll love you and I'll cherish you and I'll lift you up and I'll build you up. See, we got to stop pretending to be somebody else. Amen? That's so important. And so they had a big laugh about it, a big kick about it. But here's this talented rock band. Huge sell, selling group that tried to be somebody else out of a joke. And they weren't accepted because they weren't in their, what they were supposed to be. And church, I think that's true with Christ's followers. If you're not who you're supposed to be, I don't want to say we're frauds. But I think God expects some things of us, right? He expects, he expects us to follow him. He expects us to obey him. He expects us to love him. He expects us to work for him. He expects us to be those things that, that these guys are not being. And sometimes we're not. You Only you are uniquely you. But you are so unique in being you that only you can be you. And if you'll be you, man, everything else will take Take control. This is, the second thing then is there. There's a, with a name comes rights. You have you have rights to the to that name. So Marcus has uh, my blood. Judah has his blood. I have my father's blood. The blood comes from the father, and and so that's why uh, the father could plant the seed in Mary, and he could still be, and Jesus could be without sin because his father was out sin without sin, and it works that way. And so there's certain rights then that that Judah will have as a son of Marcus and Charity. There's certain rights that Marcus has as a son of Mark and Janie. There's certain rights that different people have, and and, and I'll, I will say this because I asked it the other day, are you going to start counting uh, Judah's calories? Because I noticed Judah's getting kind of bulky, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and those clothes are filling out fast. And, and I remember that they used to, maybe they still do, they used to count, uh, they used to count um, sailors' calories a little bit and measure it. And all. I thought that was really cool. And I wonder if it would stop with the second kid. You know how some things stop with the second kid? Well, try being the youngest of eight. Everything stops. I mean, you're allowed, you're allowed to just watch yourself, Mark. It don't matter. Hey, where's everybody at? Doesn't matter. We forgot about you. Talk about home alone, life alone, live alone. So I thought, well, you counted sailors' calories. Are you going to count baby boys? Because he's, he's, a, he's a stocky little guy, cute, really fun to hold, but he's, he's stocky. And, and the sailors, she's just, she's just a little She's a little tiny thing, and, and they know they're right. And Charity had forgotten that they were counting calories, and Marcus reminded, oh, yeah, you, you counted calories, all right. And sometimes I think maybe Charity counts Marcus's calories. <laughs> but I know she watches his chocolate, 
And so when Marcus comes to our house, if he like beats charity there, or if charity's not around, it's like a Tuesday lunch, Marcus is raiding the place. He has certain rights in our house. He knows where all the snack drawers are. He does. He really does, Charity. He knows where all the snack drawers are. He knows where all the cabinets are. He knows where all the closets are. He knows where we dash the food and keep the chocolate. And little baby girl, Sayla, she does too. So one day I come walking in, and she's over. We have like one of those lazy Susans, and she's got the thing in, and she's hiding in the lazy Susan. And I'm like, what are you doing? The Grammy said, Grammy said, Grammy. And she calls graham crackers Grammy crackers, which is such a, a perfect. And Grammy said I could have a cracker. And she's got the whole bag. And she's just like, she's, she's getting ready. To, I don't think she did. I'm not sure. I'm not going to tell on her. Not, but she was getting ready to eat some Grammy crackers. And so there's rights in the kingdom of God. You have rights in the kingdom. Like Marcus comes to our house and he takes full advantage of those rights. Like if there's pie in the kitchen, and not, I'm using you up, but I'm not trying to. He doesn't always do that. He, used, he was really bad before he got married. He, he was really bad before he got married. But anyways, it's his right. And Jamie said it's their right. It's, it's our house. They can, have, they can do what they want. They, we, you have you listen. You have rights in the kingdom of God. Are you with me? And if we don't take advantage of those rights, it's not God's fault. So I've just written down a few rights really quickly. One, you have the right to be free. Somebody say amen. You have the right. Whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. You have the right to be free. It is your God-given right. If you are penalized by your past, if you're, if you're handcuffed by what's gone on in your life, even things if you've done it or if someone else has done it, you have the right to be free. Jesus has set you free. Number two, you have the right to be healed in Jesus' name, Isaiah 53. Healing is your right. As a born-again believer, as a Christ follower, you have the right to be healed in Jesus' name. Now, that healing may not take place until you get to the other side, but you have the right to be healed. You will be healed. Say amen. You have the right to prosper. You have the right to be blessed. See, sometimes we're not supposed to talk about that in church. Well, you know, I, I'm supposed to be beat down. I'm supposed to be meek and humble. You can be blessed in Jesus' name. You can be prosperous. You can be in good health. You, even as your soul prospers, John says, we want to walk in those things. You have the right to over fear, where anxiety grips our, our nation, our young people, where, where, where sometimes we walk in, in fearful states. You have the power over that fear. You have the power over that anxiety. You have the power over that trepidation. You can walk in that. And last but not least, you have the right to have peace. Jehovah Shalom. You have the right to have peace in your life. It's one of the plans of God for your life. You have that right. With a name comes rights. With a name comes vision. With a name comes opportunity. Last but not least, the posture of heaven speaks to the purpose of your praise. And what does that mean? Posture is a, is a, is a sometimes when we, when I was younger, uh, my, my parents would say, you know, put your shoulders back. Don't, don't walk slumped over. Or if I sit, and I have a tendency to sit and get as close to my food as possible, I don't want to take a, real, a long time to get there. <laughs> and part of that is being the youngest of eight because mom would only make enough for four double portions. Like you, eight of us got to eat, but four of you got seconds. Are you with me on the math part? So you wanted to get close. And then you got second. You, I, eating fast is not a problem for me. And so... 
my posture wasn't always good. But, but in, in, this, in this thought, the posture of heaven speaks to the purpose of our praise. The posture isn't how we, you know, because the Bible, and I, I've taught on before, the Bible teaches us that we should throw our hands up in praise. The Bible teaches us that we could lay on our face in praise. The Bible teaches us that we could walk back and forth in our praise. The Bible teaches us that we could kneel down in our praise. The Bible teaches us that we could sit down and, and just meditate and contemplate on our praise. The Bible teaches but the posture of heaven is or speaks to the purpose of our praise. Let's go to Psalm 76 and verse 2 for a second. His abode has been established in Salem, his dwelling place is Zion. So this, if you read through this, you kind of read the scripture, you might just bypass this one really quickly and think like, this, it doesn't mean a whole lot to me. It's not really speaking to me. This, this part really isn't preaching to me, but I want to give you the real meaning of a couple words. His, that word abode is posture. So his posture has been established in Salem means peace. So his posture has been established in Salem. And we're talking about Judah for a second. So all of a sudden now we're talking about praise. So my Praise becomes my posture, and my posture allows me to be established in peace. And so if I'm going through an anxious moment, if I just, maybe I'm driving my car, and I throw on some praise and worship, I put on some grace music, I put on, I put on a, just in my, in my mind, because I'm such a horrible singer, I just sing in my mind, because then I'm not a bad singer. And I sing all our worship songs, and I just sing in my mind, and, and, and if I'm going through a moment where i got to make a heavy decision or something's going on, I start to praise God. And while I'm praising God in my spirit, I'm praising God in my mind, I can't keep it inside, so it, it starts coming outside. And I'm starting to, to praise God. And the other day, I'm at a stoplight because I'm by myself. It was, a, it was an evangelism night, and we were out, and I, I was driving home, and Janie and I had separate cars, and I was, I was thinking about some stuff. And so I started to praise God, and I was praising God, and then I started to sing. And while I'm singing, my hands started to go up. I was at a red light, and I look over, and this guy just thought I was nuts. I thought, that's okay. Because the posture, my posture has established my peace. And if I want peace, it comes through my praise. I don't know about you, but when I praise God, all of a sudden peace comes. And then the next one, his dwelling place is a place called best, that Zion. So if I read the scripture again, his posture has been established in peace and his dwelling place is a place called best so that when I do Judah, when I praise God, when I start to praise God for who he is, praise God for what I need him to do, praise God for what he's doing, praise God for who he is, is in my life. When I start to actually praise God, I'm gonna praise you, then all of a sudden my posture of praise establishes a peace in my heart and God takes me to a place where where he calls best. Can you say amen, church? He's worthy to be praised. Just take five seconds and just give him a shout of praise for a moment. Just, just tell him how worthy he is. Why? Because he is worthy. When we understand that, that perfect place, that place that we want to chase, that place that we want to be after, that place in our heart. See, every, I think every person in their heart has this God-sized hole that needs to be filled. But there's also a place that we, need, we long for. I think that place is heaven. I think that place is family. I think that place is community. I think that place is a longing where we want to be with, with, with God-like people, with, with Christ followers. Back in Iowa, where we pastored our, our first church, we had a, an acreage, a, seven acres, and a house, and, and a barn, and Janie had three horses, and, and one horse was named Wonder. It was a, a white ap, what, Arabian, a white Arabian horse, and I had bought it for Janie for one of our wedding anniversaries and surprised her with it, because she likes horses, and she likes to ride, and she had horses growing up. 
And uh, Wander uh, and Janie would go for a ride. And our, our laneway, our driveway was a third of a mile long, okay? And so she would ride up, and it was gravel. She would ride up the laneway and get to the, the street. And she said, man, Wander, just sometimes he's hard to get. Like, he just doesn't want to. He doesn't want to go. And when I get up to the road, I can, I can run him down the road and back. And whenever she would take him down the road, he would get in a nice, you know, a gallop or a trot, whatever you call it. And then when she would turn around and come back, he would just be in a dead-on sprint to get back. And they call that barn sour. They call it that. So the horse knows when you're riding it, you're riding it away from the barn. And that's not... Uh, that's not usual for them. And then it would get into just a normal trot. But then on the way back, it would be full on gallop back to the, to the barn. It'd be, it would be barn sour. Well, uh, we have a dog. We own Cohen a dog with Andrew and Emily. And it's a, it's a really fluffy, furry, black, golden doodle that weighs right around 60 pounds. And just a, just a really cool dog that you want to hug and, and love. And we've had him now for about three months. So he's five months old. And when we walk him, I noticed at first when we were walking him, well, he's not real leash broken at the time. He's not real smart. He, you got to put it. And then, and then he got better and better. But when we walk, I'm the, in our house, whenever he's got to do his duty, he comes and finds me. And we're responsible. We tie a bag on the deal. And, you know, to pick that stuff up, that's just gross. But I do. And I hide sometimes when I know he's barking. I'll be honest. I know my rights. I go in my room. He comes, finds me. I put my shoes on. He goes nuts. He's barking. Jenny says, Mark, I think the dog's got to go out. Yeah, I know. I grab the leash, and he's all over, and I tie the little bag on because, again, I want to be responsible in our neighborhood. I put the leash on him, and I walk him still now, and he's 60 pounds, or I guess right at 60 pounds. He was 57 last time we weighed him a couple weeks ago, and he gains a couple pounds. So I walk him, and, and, he's, and he's, he does his thing, and so I pick it up. So I'm walking with a handful of poop in my just gross. Sorry. And so some of those bags are too thin. You all know what I'm talking about. Oh, uncomfortably thin, our daughter-in-law Emily says. So just a second. I'm sorry. It messes me up. So Jenny's saying, why are you going this route? Well, I'm going I'm to share. So I walk with them, and I want to take them for a little walk. And so we walk, and we're walking out, and, and he's not, he does good, but he's not like he's not there yet, okay? And, he, and, and, he, and once I get him in a normal groove, we'll walk. And in our neighborhood, we have the same turnaround spot. And when we get to that spot, he turns around, and he's the best dog in the world going back to the house. Like he's, I have to even tug on him just a little bit because he's ready to go. He's got a great prance. His ears are flapping in the wind. His thing's going. He's ready, and he wants to get back. And sometimes we'll get up and just take a little light jog, and we run, and we get back to the house, and it's like, 
like, man, why can't you do that all the time? This is perfect. Well, I think he's a form of barn sour as well. But if you were going to look at the opposite, we've had a cat back on our, our acreage in Iowa that was a feral cat that did not know love at all, okay? Like you'd throw food down and you'd try to pet it and it would, it would grab the food and, and run off all skittish and everything. And, and there's horses out in western uh, uh, the United States of America and Colorado and, and Utah and Wyoming and Montana that they try to break and they can't break because they're like wild Mustangs and they're wild horses and they break through gates and all that. And I think sometimes we are in the kingdom of God where we need to be more barn sour towards heaven instead of walking around the world like we own it and we go from here to there, from here to there and we get all messed up in everything that we're in and we become a feral cat or a maverick horse instead of being barn sour for the things of God. Now hear me as the worship team comes back. If, if you just use those animals as, as, a, as an example, church, hear me. When we walk the dog and he's ready to go back home, he turns and he's the best dog in the world because he knows what his end result is. If you, walk, if you ran, rode the horse, when that horse turned around, it wants to get back to that barn. But we get lost in worldly things and worldly desires. We should all be so barn sour for heaven that that's the main thing on our plate. Now, I don't want to say that, in, like Paul said, to be no earthly good. I mean in, the, in this way, if we're signed up to to be Christ followers, and that's part of our uniqueness. That's part of our destiny. That's part of this thing that God has called us to do. That's part of the choice that he's called for our life. That's part of the passion that he places in us that we need to run towards heaven. See, if we're not running towards heaven, I feel like we're missing the mark. I feel like we're, 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 we get caught up in things of this life that, that are just no good for us. They're not, they're not part of God's passion for us. They're not God, part of God's perfect place for us. And if our posture has been established in peace, then our dwelling place is a place called best, but it's the place that God has for us. Bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you just, you know, Maybe just you're wondering about your own uniqueness and maybe you're wondering about just being barn sour towards the things of this life. And if you look at the wild horse that they can't corral because it won't stay in the corral. And I think we all know different people in our life who are like, man, if you would just take this advice or if you would just do this thing or if you would just just listen for a second, but they're like a wild horse or they're, they're like a feral cat that just, they want what they want right then and there, but they don't know love. And, and God wants so bad to show us his love. He wants so bad to show us what he's about that, uh, that he wants us to be barn sour towards heaven. He wants us to run. And, and sometimes we have the, the wrong garment on. And, and, and God said he would, he would wrap up robe of righteousness on us and a, and a garment of praise. And, and I feel like sometimes we miss that identity part because we're searching after things that God would say, no, that's not you. That's not what we're about. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and say, Pastor, I don't, I, I don't understand my uniqueness, but I do know one thing that I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
you want a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, you'd like to do that, pray with you. Just right where you're at. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hands right up and straight down. All right. Praise God. All right. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask everybody to stand here this morning. Each and every person, praise the Lord. And if you're comfortable doing so, just raise your hands towards heaven. We're going we're gonna to sing a song about so will I. I just want to pray for you and mark us in close. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you bless our people. Thank you for them. God, I pray, Lord, that we'd invite people, Lord, that don't know you into the kingdom, into church, into fellowship, into community. Father, Lord, that our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our actions, Father, would be with you. God, we bless you. In Jesus' name.
received that powerful word today. What a powerful message. Thank you, Pastor. God has uniquely created each one of us for our destiny. And it's so powerful because we're all so different. We're all so unique, but we can all do something that only you can do. That is your destiny. And God has placed that in, inside of us. Amen. And he's ultimately put the destiny of eternity inside of each of us. And that's what we long for. That's why this world can seem so appealing at times. Because heaven is what God has placed in our hearts. Amen. And so let's go ahead and discover what that destiny is. Let's thank God for what makes us different. Even though you might not like it. You say, you know what? That's who I am. It's how God's created me to be. And let's go ahead and close this service in a, in a word of prayer. And just ask God just to continue to work in our hearts. Uh, for the rest of this week. Father, I thank you that you have created each one of us uniquely different and special. God, that you have placed a destiny inside of us to do what you've called us to do, and you have created us to accomplish the things that you've called us to do. God, so I pray that you would reveal that destiny to each one of us today. And ultimately, God, that destiny is eternity that you have placed in our hearts, and that you've called us to be for that. Father God, that you've placed heaven in, in our in our minds and our hearts and our lives, God, so that that's where our home is. God, I pray that you would just speak to us today so to show us how we can impact lives for eternity. God, so that this week we were reminded, God, of how special we are and how we can bring others, Lord, into be coming into heaven with you one day. God, I pray that you bless each person here. Bless them in the city. Bless them in the field. Bless them when they come. Bless them when they go. Bless them, God, that we are the head and not the tail, that we are the victor and not the victim. God, that you have called us to be more than overcomers and more than conquerors. God, I pray that you'd go before us, that your spirit would go with us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.